We've just got one little announcement before we start. Recently, we've disabled all the sponsorship on our podcasts. Instead, we're just asking one thing from you. We're asking that you just share this podcast with someone who you feel may be interested. Share it via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram or Spotify or whichever way works best for you. But please, share this podcast with one other person and you will be helping us massively. This week's guest is Jack Simpson. Jack is the co-founder and owner of Hyde Park Book Club, Iger Studios and the State of the Arts in Leeds. Enjoy our conversation. Hey, how you doing, man? Hello, mate. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Just realising I've got a, a weird, wispy bit of hair. Oh, it's all right, like lockdown hair going on. Yeah, no, mate. Honestly, I was um, I was thinking the same. I'm like, kind of thinking about cutting it myself, but I'm just scared that's just going to go horribly wrong <laughs> at the same just time. A bit I've seen a, a few crazy haircuts. Yeah, I know. I was watching. Well, I was saying to my um, I was saying to my housemate earlier that. I was watching a video on how to um, how to like give yourself a give yourself like a little bit of a trim just round the sides and round the back, and I was like, that's definitely got to a got to a low point there. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, if you can do anything, it's just gonna be shaving it, really. Yeah, yeah, mate. I don't I don't think I can get away with it to be honest with you, mate. But I I'm think I'm worried they won't come back. That's my <laughs> only concern. I'm like, <laughs> uh, how how are you though, mate? I think it's been a long time since we've kind of spoken or connected. Um, it's good to it's good to catch up with you, really. Yeah, you too, man. Yeah, it's um, I think I'm right in general, really. Like, obviously, being just a, such a super strange period for everybody. Um, and the first few weeks, I guess, towards the end of February, early March, were uh, they were kind of really crazy, really. Um, yeah. you know, not knowing whether we we're going to have to lay staff off, having events just get pulled left, right, and centre. Um, and yeah, and then watching the footage of places like kind of China and Italy and really having no idea what was going to happen. But once we could um, furlough the staff, that, that took a lot of the edge off things, really. Yeah, 100%. I bet that's, it kind of gives you that kind of peace of mind. At least you're kind of looking after your staff and kind of, mm. um, you know what I mean? Because I think at the end of the day, that, that's kind of um, key in this situation. Do you know what I mean? You don't want to, especially like I know that, like a lot of your guys up there, you've obviously worked so hard to build a good team and build a good kind of, um, they all like pe- know the people that go in there, so I think obviously it's key for you guys to to keep hold of them. Um, were, were you able to? Because I know a lot, a lot of kind of hospitality kind of businesses were they may they may have like let stuff go before the furlough scheme got announced. Were you kind of lucky enough to obviously keep yeah, hold of no, your staff until? I mean, yeah, so it was like a bit of a battle, really. But um, we. <laughs> I think one of the benefits is we, we've got lots of good communication, really. We really kind of like all of us, everybody, all the people who work with us are like smart. And so we were able to just have some really open conversations about who needed what hours in order. You know, you've got people that have got kids. Yeah. You've got people that are a bit older and then you've got some younger people. Um, and we just about batted it out, really. And that was the stress, really, was trying to do it without doing that. And in a way, it sounds a bit kind of um, uh, the wrong way around, but counterintuitive, but... I actually feel for some of those businesses that folded under the pressure before the furloughing came because 
yeah. it's getting really hard for them to, I think, build trust in the staff that when the pressure's on, they've really got their backs, really. And, and, and I feel for them because it was such a pressured time that you couldn't really blame anybody for folding under that a bit. Yeah, 100%. I think it was developing so fast. Like, we went from not, well, I, I would think not taking it ser- not not taking it seriously, but I think it went from here to here in a matter of days. Do you know what I mean? Like, one, like the beginning of the week where pubs and clubs and hospitality got shut down, everyone was kind of a little bit optimistic that, all right, we may still be able to keep, like, some stuff open. And, do you know what I mean? I think uh, maybe a couple, not naive to it, but I think people were hoping that it wouldn't get to that. So, like you say, I think everyone was taking it one day at a time. But, look, obviously it's kind of good that you guys kind of had those conversations and were able to have those conversations. Do you know what I mean? I think it's probably kind of um, credit to you guys for kind of sticking it out with, with your staff, really. Yeah, I feel kind of lucky that we were able to, yeah. Yeah, was that was that between both Hyde Park Book Club and uh, Iger as well? Yeah, yeah, both places. We were just able to kind of have those conversations. And I think it came at the right time because w- the moment that I saw the kind of furlough scheme, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I had like a little cry afterwards, to be honest. And, uh, and I kind of realised the pressure that everybody had been under, and I guess as a, as as as, as an owner or as um, a, you know, in some sense you're a leader, just like all the people are kind of leaders in their own way. Yeah. In their but but in some sense, I think it's it's partly your responsibility to take some of the strain and to not just let it pass on. So I think once the furloughing scheme had been announced, um, yeah, I mean. I felt like I had PTSD or something. Uh, really, kind of, you realise just what, what everybody had been under. But I think one of the things as well, and I think this is one of the things that offers hope in this situation, is that um, it's very rare that you go through something that everybody is collectively in. A, you know, we all go through troubles in our lives. We all have situations or learning points or you know difficulties. Um, but it, it's very rare that you have a collective moment like this. And yeah. I think if you look back at, say, after the Second World War and the creation of the NHS and and um, contemporary education getting much better, I think it is often when we have these moments where we have to face the fact that we are a single collective, um, that out the other side there is uh, hope created, I guess. Yeah, 100%. I think I was saying to... Um, I was saying... Uh, I think it was on my podcast last week with Zach... Um, like it, that community kind of everyone is pulling together for one kind of cause and when was the last time do you know what I mean when was the last time you kind of saw that where nothing else really mattered everyone is kind of they they I, I compared it to well he was talking about kind of climate change and um, that's how we kind of got onto the kind of uh, the community kind of spirit because he described it as sometimes people don't realise the if you don't recycle your plastic, how much of a difference are you making to the bigger picture? But I think this, something like this and something like um, the COVID, the coronavirus um, situation has made people realise how much they like matter in the bigger picture. Because, you know what I mean? If you go out and you catch it unknowing, then you spread it to your family and then your family then still going, like, going out and they spread it as well. Like... That that's kind of started with you, and you are a part of this bigger picture, and it's come down to everyone really pulling together. And I think I said to him, I would hope that people would kind of take that attitude and that kind of uh, view going forth after we resume to kind of some some form of some form of normality, whatever that may yeah, look I think, like. I think that's really right, and and also I think it might um, 
make us in some way look at the way we value different groups of people. So if you look at lots of the people that we've really needed the most in this, people that have provided food and, you know, that make sure the bins get collected and the kind of frontline NHS workers, you know, they are, um, they're often not the people that are most celebrated and, and most well-paid. But, um, yeah. but yeah, so I think there is a sense that it's, it's revealed to us the kind of backbone that a structure need, uh, a society needs um, in order to function. Yeah. How, um, how have you guys, well, how have you been, because I know you are usually one of the busiest men in Leeds, for sure. Um, I don't think I've ever seen you kind of not busy or probably ever... too busy. I could yeah. probably be being less busy, yeah. I'd seen, um, I'd seen your post on Instagram, I think it was just before, not too long before the lockdown about having like a super hectic week and then uh, it was a gig, at, I think it was a gig at Hyde Park Book Club, was it? That you'd kind of gone to and you'd just kind of uh, that had taken your mind away from it just because you'd been so busy. But how have you kind of found that are you, are you still have you still been busy with the kind of venues or have you still i guess that kind of obviously there's still work that kind of goes into them um, yeah i think it's gone in real different kind of phases really so there was the two or three weeks just running up to lockdown which were like really strange and really kind of um uh, yeah just like a pure crisis mode i guess where yeah. you're kind of you're looking around at the situation and you're working out you know what could this be and how could we get through this and who who can we kind of um you, you know, protect a little bit staff-wise. Um, and then and then there was a period kind of probably the next two or three weeks, which must have been, well, like early, it been early April or late March, early April, yeah. where we were kind of closed. Um, most of the staff had been furloughed. There's a couple of staff that we stayed with us. And, and, and to some extent, really, uh, that, that was kind of okay in, in terms of, you're working on the kind of creative conceptual stuff, which I guess is why you go into this stuff, right? Yeah. Like often you begin life as a creative and you want to spend all your time being creative. And then in order to make things pay and to make sure the VAT bills are paid and everything. Yeah. Management. Yeah. Cause you were doing, um, you were doing a delivery service for a while, is that correct? And are you are you due to start that again? I'd seen um, I'd seen the um, Pink Gorilla. Was it Pink Gorilla? No. Yeah, was it Pink Gorilla that kind of put up updated their kind of who was delivering list or? Oh, was it Leeds Indie Food? That's guys. it, Leeds Indie Food. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Leeds Indie Food had updated that. I'd seen that briefly earlier today. So I know you were doing that. Is that kind of and you were doing the the book delivery? Yeah, so we started and... that. And to be honest, I think that was a like. Um, I mean, I'm really happy that we did it. It was a slightly kind of insane response when I think about it, really because. Uh, in um, I mean, you and I were talking about uh, Tim Ferriss earlier, yeah. And um, yeah, Tim Ferriss is obviously a big fan of stoicism, mm -hmm. and uh, and and I, uh, I think in in a lot of situations in life, really lean on kind of stoic uh, writing, really. Yeah. And um, and when it was all kicking off, and it was all clear that it was just huge, and that it was much bigger than us, and all these kind of things. Um, I think we we're just looking for little things that we could do that were within our control that might make things a tiny bit better. So mm -hmm. yes, we were taking books around to people and we're going to do some more of that this week. And I think we'll probably do some kind of like food delivery and beer delivery once we get a little bit further on. I think yeah. it felt, because, because everything was so serious to everyone, it felt like it might have been a bit tone deaf to not just take a pause whilst the kind of most serious kind of wave um, mm -hmm. passed. But, but I think now, you know, looking at these things and, and we are, you know, you see these tensions growing now between different, you know, groups of people that maybe want things to come back and, yeah, yeah. 
um, you know, concerns about what happens if you pause an economy for too long. Um, so I think in some way we're going to have to, some things are going to have to come back. One hundred, I, I agree totally. I think, um, uh, I think realistically, um, like the next the next week, two week, um, is probably key. So like key key to everything really. I think if we don't, if if something, if a plan to kind of uh, start kind of coming out the other side of this or even just reducing some kind of social distancing measures or kind of letting businesses go back to some form of normality whilst keeping their staff and, and everyone safe. I, I think it's going to have such a, it's going to have a long-term effect, uh, effect anyway, but I think it's going to have a, 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 a massive dent in uh, not just the economy. I think just people's kind of social habits as well. Do you know what I mean? I think especially with hospitality, I think, um, it's not a habit for people, but do you know what I mean? If you, if you go somewhere for a coffee on a morning uh, and then you've not done that for two months, then the likelihood is you're probably, yeah. it's, go, it's going to take a while before I you think start. This will going... definitely, I think this will definitely affect uh, consumer habits. You know I mean? Just things like, you know, you might have people like you and me that are like really wedded to culture. Um, but you'll have a lot of people that just like, it was part of their lives. It was part of their daily routine. Yeah. They'd grown up in a kind of drinking culture in Britain. And so they went out to pubs and bars after work. Yeah. But they've had kind of two months at home, maybe learned to cook a bit better. Yeah. Um, maybe started to enjoy that they've changed their spending patterns. So now maybe they've signed up to a couple of new things and they're doing a couple of new things or they're saving for something. And like, are they going to be as likely to go into town and spend 70 quid? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we should probably be honest that I don't think they are, you know, like, so I think all across hospitality, you know, food, uh, food and kind of bar culture. Um, yeah, I think, I think things will probably change. How about you? How have you found it? Yeah, I found it quite um, strange. So I'd, I'd actually left my previous job in uh, yeah. end of January. Yeah, end of January. And I started a new job, um, which I was just getting stuck into, just doing the training for. Um, and then I, I got put on furlough. Um, and it kind of gave at first I thought it was, I didn't see it as a negative. I saw it as kind of, uh, let's take a little bit of positivity from it, like give a bit of time for myself. Get like, uh, to be fair, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't have fully started this kind of podcast if it wasn't for, um, if, yeah. if, it, if it, like genuinely, if it wasn't for kind of the lockdown, which I think that was just due to me kind of having really shit excuses about why I wasn't doing it or I didn't have enough time to do it. Um, so, yeah, but I think for me, I, I just had to take it one day at a time. Um, I think if you kind of look at the bigger picture, I think if you look too far ahead, if you take it as quite a heavy weight on your shoulders, I think naturally you're going to get quite down about it. Naturally, you're going to see the negatives. Naturally, you're going to um, wait for all these updates on a daily basis, which I, I, I understand why they're doing the daily updates. But I also kind of, I think it may have provided not a little... Obviously, they have to keep people updated. I fully understand that. But I think people are, are so hung up on those daily updates. Uh, and I think people are so... They're taking it so upon themselves with such a heavy weight upon themselves. It's like, oh, God, so many people have been admitted to hospital. And it's like, yes, of course. Like, it, like I'm not taking away from the fact it's it, it, it's a horrible situation. And luckily for me, I've, I've, had no, I've not had anybody affected. Um, I don't know anybody that's affected, but... Uh, I could quite easily, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think I've just had to take it one day at a time, kind of had shit days, had good days. I think, 
I think you're right as well, though, when you talk about like starting the podcast. One thing that's that's interesting, I think, is that when um, when people have a lot more time on their hands, lots of people have been furloughed and whatnot at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's like you see the kind of natural acts of kindness that are going on and people just doing things and people wanting to kind of go shopping for neighbors and, yeah. and you know, people starting projects and in the woods near me, I mean, like there's so many more people than there ever would be usually. Yeah. I saw you. I think I saw your tweet earlier. <laughs> it's just like, it was just crazy. Like, honestly, the, the woods are like full, but, but I think there is also a kind of question. You saw Mark Carney, the um, ex governor of the bank of England talking about how maybe it's a chance as well to, to, ask what kind of economy what we want when we get back because yes there'll be will be all kinds of people that are, think this has had a terrible effect on and obviously there are people that will be really ill and people that have died but th- there will also be other people that that probably are looking at this and th- and it's making them question how, how busy they were before and how how full their lives were and whether yeah. whether there's a better way of living really i think yeah definitely i think i think i've i think i've taken that for, I think it's sometimes people take. I think it's made people realize, or um, yeah, realize sometimes that they take the small things for granted as well. I think uh, that's definitely kind of what. Do you know what I mean even just kind of being able to go like just the small things? Do you know what I mean being able to go to like go see your parents or go see some friends or do you know what I mean L- little small things like that? I think um, for me has kind of played a played a big part. Um, I think um, you were just talking about um, the kind of acts of kind of goodness, and I kind of wanted to touch on the um, the feeding hospitality kind of workers that you did as well. I guess that was kind okay. of that was that kind of what what was your kind of obviously I know uh, as Hyde Park Book Club kind of is and what I've seen. Well, for <laughs> I, I also I think how far it's come from when I did well I tr- I did like the I think it was like two events there with folds yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, um i think how far it's come from then until to where it is now is is kind of um credit to you and probably the hard work that the team have put in as well obviously you've got, got a full um food and drink offering now as well so it's, yeah it's cool it's accidentally got really complex <laughs> it's, uh, it kind of started as you know i was in london and um and we you know the space became available that's now the flower shop yeah. and uh so we um yeah, we thought we'd have a crack at doing something, but it was just going to be like a beer and and coffee shop, really. Like it wasn't going to be this. Um, so it's yeah. kind of got out of hand. It's kind of got out of hand. Yeah, I I, I honestly remember just kind of um, sitting. I think I was in Islam last year of uni. I was just sat in there doing work, and I remember us just having like a decent. I, I can't remember who else. It was like me, you, and somebody else. I I can't remember exactly who it was. Just having a really like decent chat about kind of high pat book club and Iger at the time and. And then that's uh, on the back of that's when I ended up kind of doing the event in, um, in the kind of I don't know what would you what do you you've got that room there and then you've got the basement as well now correct you've got the side room yeah you've got yeah the... and then the top room is kind of opened out now like a, almost like a kind of canteen space so yeah it's yeah. just like a long space that the jazz happens in but yeah that meal I think it was just again it was just you know it needs moments when there's very little that you can control I think sometimes it's just saying you know, what is a small thing we can do here? And with both the food thing and the books thing, I think the point was, you know, obviously we're, lots of people are in difficult situations right now. And there are people that have got like, I don't have kids. And there were people that are looking after kids or looking after relatives and all these kind of things. Whereas like we were in a position where we could, 
do some nice things really which you know like i think we were kind of privileged to be in that position you know a lot of people uh, wouldn't have been um yeah. so yeah so it was just a chance i guess to to get dinner and and i think part of what i felt really was that cities like leeds are really built on um hospitality you know i mean you go to cities all around the world great cities cities that you'd go travel to and it really is quite often kind of people that are working behind bars and in cafes um that are kind of you know really key to the structure um that makes all that tourism all those students paying nine grand and yet when this was all happening and companies were just kind of like laying off staff and I understand the pressures that were under but it felt like we as an industry could have come together a bit better and just said you know what whatever happens you know get together with kind of grafters and we're like you know we'll make batch meals we'll get through this together yeah Um, and yeah I, I just think that's the way to deal with things really is like especially a situation like that because if if a problem is like if something had just happened in a book club I'd understand that everybody's got their own stuff to do. But when something becomes so big like this, I think the only way to really tackle it is to say, right, almost down tools, collectively, what, how can we support each other? And yeah. some people won't be in a position to support other people. And that's, I get that. And then some people like us will be. And I think if you are in those kind of situations, you've just got a bit of an obligation to dig in, really, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that sometimes it is, um, I think that kind of, portrays probably the community spirit that book club the high park book club has anyway do you know what i mean i think that's for me that's kind of how i see it i see it as quite a uh like a communal kind of hub that obviously has now developed into doing food into doing gigs but i think for for you guys to kind of do that kind of stands true to what probably you guys are about um and i, I think that kind of shone shone true and i think like you say i think maybe um some businesses kind of not true colors because obviously i know i won't say anybody's kind of intentions are uh are kind of bad but i think maybe some where where people have been even like yourselves you you obviously kind of an independent business obviously i know you kind of uh part of like Iger and stuff like that but even as like an independent business for you guys to kind of dig in and really kind of try keep things like going and and support kind of hospitality workers and support kind of people where you can says a lot for kind of you guys and uh, i think if if everyone had done that a little bit earlier on then we may kind of i'm not saying it would have changed anything but we may it may have helped some people where they needed help and i guess everybody's in it for different reasons aren't they in terms of you know there there are businesses that are maybe not don't have those values but but are still really good and are really good for society um and then there are people like us that essentially are kind of really interested in the crossover between culture and politics and you know how you create these different structures so it's always been important to me that the book club is a place that uh, tries to be i mean obviously we fail sometimes but tries to be good for anybody who's inside you know yeah. try to have good relationships with the staff um try to have good relationships with the neighbors so so it, it, it it's kind of clear i guess if you start things like that and I think most, to be honest, I think most businesses are like this, really. You know, you've got to think that our size business, small businesses, lots of people will, will have probably had to homeschool and do things like that. So yeah. I'm kind of lucky that I could concentrate on what we could give um, because there will have been a lot of other people who this last six weeks has probably been really difficult. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's, yeah. No, totally, totally. Uh, and I think the strain on, on, uh, on people has been massive as well. What what do you kind of 
Um, what do you see, like, how, I don't know, how do you see kind of like you guys coming out the other side of this? Obviously, I know you can't really open or kind of um, start kind of, well, obviously thinking about open until some social distancing restrictions get lifted. But how do you think you guys kind of come out the other side of this, especially with Iger, like Iger as well? I guess that's kind of more of a difficult one because obviously it kind of relies on people going there like for rehearsal kind of spaces and it's more of like a destination kind of venue as such or than than Hyde Park book club would be um yeah I think that's actually probably easier in that most of the things that happen at Iger are like 10 people or less yeah I think I think like rehearsals and recording sessions will happen before um before it's easy to run the book club yeah um the book club, I mean, I think, I think anybody in, you know, you saw that Pret opened up a couple of shops the other day, and yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think the rest of the year will probably be a, a battle for any business our size that does our kind of thing, and we'll have to see what kind of support comes from the government, what kind of discussions are had about things like rent. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, again, going back to the kind of stoicism um, that we discussed earlier. One thing that made this easier was probably accepting that to, to, that you have no control over this. That mm-hmm. ultimately, it's not out of the question that in a year, most of the bars and cafes we know and restaurants we know are not here, and yeah, yeah. people's real lifestyle change, lifestyle habits change. So that's a possibility. I mean, look, we'll kind of fight all the way, and we'll we'll do things like. You know, hopefully soon we'll be able to have like a small delivery and you know small amounts of numbers of people in. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's kind of difficult. And then you've got to ask yourself as well. You know, it's like you know we started doing some takeout stuff and we'll do some more. But really, the food and drink for us has always been a part of it. It's been part of the culture, but it's been wedded to the arts and the music, yeah, yeah. the film and bits of theatre and stuff like that. So you know, if if the other side of this was running. Um, a cool takeout. It's like that's probably not what we want to do, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, but that's but that's also kind of fine, really. I think that like you know there are lots of people in much harder situations than us, and we've done this for five years, the book club, and Iger's been thirteen years. Um, you know, if I don't think it'll be the end, but if if it if it was the end, like I think we'd just turn our efforts and skills towards other things and and the kind of spirit of it would carry on so yeah yeah because i I, I was sorry go on no go Uh, i was i was just gonna talk (laughs) (laughs) um i was gonna touch on when you just mentioned about like rent and stuff as well and obviously if you don't want to uh touch on it's fine but have you seen the hospitality unions proposal like the change um yeah seen a few different things yeah so one with this a leeds leeds hospitality one yeah yeah like kind of asking for um kind of delay on kind of rental payments and and things like that and maybe or, or asking for kind of the government to maybe step in there because I, I i do honestly feel like the hospitality industry maybe not has been left kind of high and dry because they haven't because they've been able to furlough staff they've been able to kind of um do things where they can but i definitely feel like it's an industry that relies on kind of well it's an industry that relies on other people coming to your business do you know what i mean like <laughs> like uh, hospitality is not hospitality without customers do you know what i mean or guests and um i think 
yeah, I'd seen a lot of people posting about it and kind of like looking, for, like well, trying to get people to sign the kind of change thing. But what what's your view on that? Are you kind of, have you kind of come into any kind of um, problems with the book club or Iger, or have you? Kind of, I guess you kind of. I mean, are you lucky in that sense? It's kind of okay right now. Like, so if it, it, what what I think for most businesses outside is, is the question is what does this all look like in July? Uh, you know, June, July. Um, because really, if you if you have reasonable overheads, you probably got some government support. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so our size, the the difficulty will probably come for people that have got much bigger um, spaces. Yeah. So there'll be a few um, organisations in Leeds that 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 didn't qualify for support in the way we did, but that are actually a bit bigger than us. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they they they'll be in trouble. I mean, look, if, if if there's some kind of business in June, July, uh, like, then, you know, everybody's just going to have to kind of, like, look at changing models. I mean, it'd be good to get some kind of rent holidays, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think these questions are kind of bigger than us, really. I mean, what we're talking about, really, is kind of, like, quite radically restructuring the economy. So, yeah. uh, so I think it's really right for people in hospitality to fight their corner, and, and I'll, I'll support that, and, and we'll do what we can, and... Um, but... but I actually think this round of support was was pretty good, and you know I'm a northern person who works in culture. I'm not, I'm not a natural Tory um, yeah. <laughs> um, praiser, but I actually think I actually think the the support for small businesses was pretty good in this round. Um, I thought Rishi Sunak, like probably lots of people, handled the pressure incredibly. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, just to speak in the way he did uh, at that moment when there was a lot of pressure on. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it, the thing is, is if you know, if it's still six months, nine months where things are not back to normal, it's like there's probably got to be a point when the government actually works to restructure an economy towards new kinds of jobs. Yeah. yeah. For, for I mean, that might be the case, right? Like, if this if this is never, or if this is not going to return to a point where clubs and bars can open as normal, like. It might it might reach a point where we need to create new kinds of jobs, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, um, like it, like I was saying before, I definitely think if something is kind of not kind of outlined, or maybe just some kind of for for me, I, I think some kind of um, I think in Spain, in France, they've been very open and had those kind of open not conversations, but being kind of very. Uh, open about their exit strategy or what the strategy kind of is uh, with kind of the public. And uh, to this point, I, th I think they have been very good um, at kind of announcing things and keeping people updated. But in terms of light at the end of the tunnel, I think that there currently isn't one, realistically. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think they need to be clear on that. I mean, I think they're probably, they've probably got two serious problems. One is that the communication and the way the British government handled the early stage was, was yeah, yeah. so bad that I think I think they're now kind of almost paralysed by, well, what do we do? And the second part, really, is the way that the modern kind of centre-right, right-wing communications work is that they work by baffling the public. So so in the US and in the UK and, 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 and other places, they're, they're purposefully fucking with the public, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's... that's it's not even a value judgment. I mean, that's literally what they're doing. Yeah. Kind of social media to confuse the public um, in a way that is winning elections. Um, 
and and I think that kind of divide and conquer has worked really well to divide people and and to kind of win power. Um, but it's totally ineffective when you need to bring people together. And I think that's what we're seeing now is is that you know you see the way that Dominic Cummings and Boris Johnson have been kept out of the um, limelight ever since this has started to get really bad. Yeah, and it just like a political decision because it it doesn't feel like these people that fought so hard to lead the country are now stepping up to lead the country. It just doesn't feel like that, you know? No, no, all, no, all. I think uh, t- tomorrow's, um, well, today was Dominic Rabb's like final day of kind of, um, kind of standing pres- uh, prime minister. Yeah. Um, so I he will be, I, I'll be in, what was that? Sorry. He's probably having a couple of beers tonight. Yeah. hundred percent. He'll be, have, he'll be, his feet will be up, mate. Um, I'll be interested to kind of see, uh, Boris John, or if tomorrow's kind of um, kind of uh, what they call whatever it is, like the kind of afternoon, what are they calling it? Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, <laughs> like I'll be interested to see what Boris Johnson says tomorrow. If if he does say anything tomorrow, if it is him tomorrow, I'll be interested to kind of see what like because like, the last time we heard from him, and obviously I know they they say his, he was very involved in all the decisions that have been made and. I'm sure he was, um, but um, like I will be interested to kind of see um, see kind of what he has to say tomorrow. Especially like you were just saying, it, it, since things got rough. All right, granted he he caught he caught coronavirus, which like fair play, but he, nothing can be helped in that stage. But we've not heard from him or his like the, the person who's supposed to be leading our country through all of this. We've not heard from him since, I don't know, three weeks last yeah. time. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I'll be interested to kind of hear that and hear his views and hear kind of, hopefully I would say some kind of movement forward. Cause I, I don't see it. I haven't seen any forwards kind of progression. Obviously they've, they've kind of announced little bits here and there, like the extension of the furlough scheme where, the date has been brought forward. So if you, it wasn't the middle of February, it was kind of the March and obviously the kind of uh, support for small businesses and things like that. But I'd like to see some kind of, some step forward person. Yeah. Um, what caught, what caught my, um, what caught my eye? Just a little, a little bit off, off of kind of COVID topic, but still kind of relevant, I think. Um, I was on the High Park Book Club website and um you know you've got the civic plan for um climate change on there yeah 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 what kind of what's the reasoning for that being on the high park book club website and what's kind of what yeah, i mean that to be honest, so, do, do you know i don't know if you know paul chatterton but he's a geographer at leeds uni and so he set up um the commonplace which became wharf chambers well, yeah. he's one of the people that was part set up and he's a kind of activist and he worked on that and he wrote a, a book recently on creating sustainable cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, he, he did that. And we just wanted to... I mean, I guess we always see... A bit like we were talking about the earlier on with the hospitalism. We always see the book club as a kind of platform for positive social change, if possible. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we have neighbours that complain about the noise that don't feel like it's always positive social change. <laughs> but but on the whole, um, you know, if we, can, if we can do that, and also if we can be a conduit, I think, because... I think what often happens in um, a lot of university cultures, especially, is um, you kind of have this big divide between kids that are like going to uni um, and then they're hedonistic when they're outside. And um, 
yeah. even the name book club, you know, is these two sides of the thing. So there's the kind of book side, the, the kind of like ideas side, and then the club side, the hedonistic side. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, so that was just a chance for us to, we could share it, we could chat about what Paul's doing and yeah, it just feels very kind of fitting with what we're about. Yeah, 100%. I just wondered kind of where it fit into, obviously I know you guys use yourselves as a platform for kind of promoting things like that. Obviously I know you do like the kind of Leeds uh, Literature Fest and obviously involved at Live at Leeds and kind of various projects like that. But I just kind of wondered why that was kind of a, maybe a feature on the cats, web. Do you want to see cats, by the way? I've got like two cats that are just kind of like. I just, I, I'd actually seen the black and white one just crawling through the grass behind you. Yeah. <laughs> She's like coming from behind you, just coming out of like the. Uh, what you're watching of... here is, have you seen Succession? No, no. Uh, it's amazing, but it's about a kind of like a, a family feud as, as someone's going to take over because somebody's getting old. And what you're watching here is this old ginger cat is, um, has always been the kind of like throwing his weight around a little bit. Yeah. And the little black and white cat is. Uh, is much smaller, um, but the old ginger cat now is getting a little bit too old. Yeah, yeah. Black and white ones just starting to be like, maybe this garden <laughs> will bind sometime. <laughs> just start, just binding its time and taking it, making its moves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how how have you kind of found life? Just kind of being self, like in lockdown. Then um, have you kind of how have you have you struggled to kind of stay creative or kind of how have you kind of managed that? Have you just been, I don't know, for, for me, mostly, I, like I've been trying to get, stay as active as possible. That's definitely helped with my creativity. I think if I wasn't going out for a run, or if I wasn't getting out and getting some fresh air, I think my creative, my crea creativity levels, Jesus, um, would have dipped massively. Um, but how about yourself? Yeah, I think, I think that, again, there's been different phases of it, but definitely, um, like at least exercising even if it's just going for like a long walk once a day um yeah. i kind of generally have a bit of a a, um, a routine anyway i kind of like get up in the morning do like a little meditation before i do anything like i never i never look at like social media or anything before i've just like had a little like kind of grounding headspace thing. yeah so i'll have a bit of meditation and i'll uh i'll usually kind of like have a bit of a coffee and a walk before i do any work and just try to get into a place where you've kind of thought about it because i think in, in the kind of modern world, you know, if you just open your emails and you've not really worked out what you want to do or what you want from the day, what yeah. your kind of priorities are, then um, you end up nudged by what everybody else wants. So there's something about kind of just taking some time before I start work about kind of clarifying what what would it be good to do today. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, and at different points, there's been different things. I've had, um, actually, I had my, my mum's ill, so I've been... Um, so, so, so that's been a big thing over this last two weeks, and and the first few weeks of the uh, um, the, the lockdown, I'd kind of got to a point actually before this happened, um, where I, I was kind of enjoying. There's me and another couple of members of staff, and they're great, and uh, and we're kind of having almost daily kind of like check-ins, and and able to work on quite a nice conceptual level about everything. Yeah. And so, so I think probably for a lot of people who work for themselves, it's been a bit of an opportunity to spend some time really, you know, thinking about those things that you often don't get time to think about. Mm -hmm. um, but then, yeah, about two weeks ago, so she, my mum got ill. And, um, and and so that's been really difficult. She's in the hospital, actually. And we, we can't visit her. Um, oh, well. Yeah, Sorry to yeah. hear that, man. No, yeah. Um, but, then, but then, yeah, I, I, like, I, I'm 
pro- probably like everybody, really, you're kind of confronted with the same things that, especially if you work for yourself, you are used to having to kind of structure your own time. So it's probably not quite as difficult in some ways as it might be for somebody who's spent 20 years kind of having their work structured for them. Structured, yeah. Yeah, because for me, it's like I, I have to... I have to take on those kind of slightly existential battles about why am I doing this and whatever. Anyway, we have to yeah. do that anyway. So it, it's not that different. I mean, if anything, to be honest, there's been a lot less day-to-day managing and admin. So in some ways, some stuff's kind of been easier, really. Like, it's definitely yeah. been easier to progress um, the kind of ideas about, the kind of conceptual ideas about what it is that we're doing. That's been easier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think um, for for me, I've um, it was off the back of um, speaking to a guy called Zach Avery. You might know Zach actually. I know Zach, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, of course he's done. Yeah, no, no, of course. So basically, he is now involved with. He also uh, he also takes amazing photos, right? You just every every photo <laughs> I ever see of him, I'm just like, <laughs> like, like it seems like impossible for him to have a photo taken that doesn't look like it's from Burning Man. Yeah, 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 literally. Even I had him on the podcast last week, and honestly, he was just sat there, like looking, just yeah. I I was just in my bedroom, like I am now, and he was just kind of just had this like aura around him, like he naturally does anyway. I was just like, oh yeah. Uh, but um, he he's involved with um, a festival called Medicine Festival now, which is very right, kind yeah, of yes, yeah. yeah, so it's like a so like a sober kind of festival. There's a lot of kind of talks and yoga meditation and um kind of yeah like demonstrations and things like that uh and he kind of was saying that he finds journaling has found very helpful for him uh and found it very kind of um like like you were saying very grounding very kind of just getting your kind of your thoughts out for the day onto onto paper uh and physically having to write it out rather than type it out physically having to write it out and kind of just getting your thoughts out for the day or what you want to achieve that yeah. day and uh, and then also he he say going going back and looking like maybe a month down the line going back and having a look at kind of what you've journaled and have have I achieved that what what have I done well what have I kind of not done have I have I got have I kind of achieved what I was looking to do or am I still putting that off am I still kind of burying my head in the sand about something uh, and he said that that's kind of been a um, a very grounding and kind of yeah, almost like a humbling thing because you you only have your yourself to answer for really when it yeah. comes to that. Like if you've written something down and then in a in a month's time you come back to it and and you've not done it, then you kind of only have yourself to answer for, regardless of kind of life that may come in the way of that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But I think probably lots of us from school into kind of jobs are. Um you're not used to like a certain level of freedom right so like some of the people that i know that are probably struggle the most in life are people that are quite free so it's friends that have maybe got like quite that do all right cash wise mm. and actually just an abundance of choice is actually kind of like um problematic so there is something yeah there's something about just being really clear with yourself that you're responsible for yeah the structure of how you live and um yeah but i think journaling as well you know those little things of just working out what you were kind of thankful for and how did you actually go and just checking in with yourself as well about like you know sometimes we can all do things for years like relationships or jobs that are not really making us as happy as we could be 
And, yeah. and I think there's something about, I mean, I had some sessions with somebody recently who uh, would say to me things like, oh, how, you know, how do you feel about this? And I'd say, well, I think that this, and, and she'd be like, yeah, but how do you feel about it? And I'd be like, well, I think that, and she'd be like, and, and she's like, you're almost unable to kind of just tell me <laughs> how you feel about it. Yeah, and, yeah. and it was like a nice moment for realizing that at times, and, and some of this I'm guessing is quite, it's probably more predominant in men. But um, yeah, at times, kind of getting into a place where you don't really know how you feel about some things, so you can kind of have those situations where, whether it's a job or a relationship, you kind of struggle to tune in well enough to yourself um, to know whether this is where you should be. Uh, and then you have other moments. So I mean, I love. I don't, do you know this must be the place they're talking? Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. And, and that is just like that feeling of going like, this is where I'm supposed to be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and often, how it's the pathway to that it's kind of counterintuitive that sometimes like, so here, for instance, um, the beginning of the year, I didn't really drink much and I um, had a lot on and it wouldn't have made me happy and I didn't really have coffee. And then in this, I've had a couple of like just really good blowouts, but like it's actually been really, felt really healthy to just have like a couple of times where you just like, like really kind of like, you forget about kind of all the analysis that you're doing about the world and all the work situations and just like, just kind of party in the house, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but sometimes you just got to kind of like follow a, yeah, try tune into a voice that isn't necessarily the rational part of yourself. Yeah, yeah, def- yeah. Def- definitely. I think um, for, for me, um, so one of the kind of reasons, kind of touching on that and kind of touching about um, not realising like a situation that you're in, for, for me, that was kind of why I left... Um, why I kind of moved away from the job that I was in before. So I, I'd gone to, I'd actually gone to Australia for three weeks in January, end of January, first, last end of January, first two weeks of February. My cousin lives out there. And I'd not realized, just because I'd not stopped like through summer, like chaos, like kind of just, it was a nice summer working all the time. Then it had gone a little bit quiet, then gone straight into September into like November, December, then it's Christmas, then it's chaotic again, as you know. Then come January, when I kind of got away and kind of had nothing, like just kind of wasn't on my phone, was away from my phone, was kind of um, literally with my cousin, my parents were out there. um, And naturally, Australia is a very beautiful place anyway. And it's a very kind of place if you want to kind of, um, yeah, if you want a bit of headspace, it's probably the perfect, one of the perfect places for it. And it was it, it was being out there that kind of realized, made me realize that um, what kind of mattered, maybe some of the situations I was in, I wasn't kind of thankful for or grateful for. Um, and I kind of came back from that with a kind of new perspective on what I wanted to do or where I wanted to be. And uh, I think um, I think maybe come. It, Obviously, I think this kind of situation in lockdowns, it's not a similar situation, but I think a lot of people have had to sit with themselves mm. more than they probably would normally do. I'd have to sit and think, right, what, what do I actually kind of, what do I actually want for me? What do I actually, am I going to use this time productively? Am I going to use this time to kind of work on me or work on kind of the house or work on the, do you know what I mean, the garden? I think people have had a lot more time to themselves yeah, than, think, than they normally would have. Yeah, in a lot of day-to-day life, especially with, um, you know, the way that we're all so impacted on by the internet, I think we we can just distract ourselves away from how we feel about things. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, yeah, all, all of us do it, right? So there's something about the way, I think, in this last few weeks, that the amount of noise has been cut out from life. It's like, mm. it's like you know, I'm there, I'm either enjoying a project, or I'm enjoying working with someone. Yeah. Um, kind of, or I'm not. There's no, I've not got 50 things happening today so that I can kind of forget that actually, uh, eight days in a row, we've had that same discussion at work and like maybe we need to change something up because why are we having the same discussion? You know, um, so yeah, I really think there's something... And again, I think both of us understand the gravitas and how difficult this is for a lot of people. And yeah. also, some other people, they will have had more time and it's, it's a bit of a kind of opportunity to think about, you know, do you, is, is, even if it's possible, is it your ideal for things to return to the way they were? Or, yeah, yeah. Or, 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 or is this an opportunity to kind of check in and go like, actually, like, I, I wasn't particularly joyous there anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, like you're saying, um, I think a lot of people will have realised that as well. Do you know what I mean like, do they want do they want to go back to normality? Um, do, or what what not normality? Or what what they thought was normality? Do they want to go back to that kind of job that they potentially hated being in, but was just doing it because it paid the bills? Do you know what I mean? And I think maybe um, so, someone actually said to me the other day, was it last week? Yeah, I believe it was last week. They said. How healthy, um, if they, and it's never going to happen, of course, but imagine if you had one month of the year where it was total lockdown, you had to spend in your house, you could only leave like we're doing now for groceries, for kind of essential exercise, and you had to like focus on yourself. I think it would probably wouldn't be one of the healthiest kind of things we probably could do. What you're talking about there doesn't sound that dissimilar in a way to like a Ramadan or a Lent. Like there yeah. are times that have been kind of naturally. Did you hear this? Did you hear yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the driving. This is, I'm just on the ring road. The driving's crazy. But <laughs> I think in lots of human life, I mean, we have that, right? We have Lent and we have Ramadan. Mm. We have fasts. Ramadan's at the moment as well. I feel. I feel. I, I guess that's kind of a kind of a strange time for anyone who's who's going through that as well. Obviously, uh, they're coming together to kind of eat in an evening is probably halted as well unless it's within your household i bet that's kind of a strange kind of yeah. uh, time for um yeah time to go through that as well but sorry as you, as you were saying <laughs> no no just saying that the thing that you're suggesting although it seems quite radical i think it in some ways it seems quite radical in the kind of economy that we're in mm. um because there have been other there are other times and points in culture where we think that yeah taking some time out um, to kind of cleanse yourself of the busyness of life is is good. So, yeah. Yeah, no. Um, what um, what kind of, I guess, where have you kind of been, like, getting your news from? And I know that sounds like you may just like get it from... Like, like from that <laughs> <day. laughs> Well, I just think, for, for me, I've kind of tried to stay away from... Um, naturally watching kind of your sky news or your bbc news or anything like that um and i've tried to uh, i follow uh instagram called simple politics i don't know if you've seen it no no so, so basically um the name is definitely kind of well it's a good name but i think it kind of throws you off sometimes so, so it's not simple basically they just break down the day's kind of politics into um 
bullet points and kind of some key points that you could potentially take away and have a think about. Uh, and I've been following that quite closely, especially with the daily updates. Um, but I'm just kind of wondering where other people are kind of, because I think it would be very easy, as I said, kind of at the beginning of our conversation to let everything weigh very heavily on you at the moment. And I think, I was just wondering where, yeah, how I mean, you're I, kind of... I think I probably get most of my kind of like, I guess we live in a time where the, the idea of news is, is, um, is changing to some extent. So like, I guess I get what we might call news from like Twitter, from just scrolling through and someone will mention something or follow a bunch of journalists, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, between there and then I guess I've got different pockets. So like, um, definitely just following Twitter just for generally interesting. Yeah, you seem, you seem quite active on Twitter, to be fair. Like, I, I, I yeah, follow I you on like, Twitter as well. And, and for just picking up things that have happened in the zeitgeist, I think Twitter is quite good. The Guardian website for a more kind of like just general news. Yeah. And, and I guess more of my communication, and I think this is probably the same for a lot of people, has pivoted to kind of local stuff. So mm-hmm. keeping in touch with kind of people that are also kind of information sharers about what's happening in the city has yeah. been good. So, so I think they're the three probably main things, but I don't really watch too much news because, you know, I mean, one thing that happens in 24 hours is probably going to be useful. And if yeah. if, if lockdown's going to change, it's going to be in two weeks. It's like, I'm going to find out about it. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't need to keep watching news for that. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, at the beginning of like the... When places like when Spain and France and a couple of other places start going to lockdown, I, I turned, I'd never had it on before, but I turned on the kind of update notifications for Sky News breaking on my phone. Oh, I think that's one of mine as well. Yeah, yeah I, I quickly. Also, really kind of, annoying because you get a notification and you're like, ah, oh, somebody's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and so like, I'm popular. Like no, Sky I'm News saying, hey, Jack, this is happening in Azerbaijan. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I actually turned it off recently. I turned it off the middle of last week, I think, because all I was getting, I wasn't actually getting any breaking news. I was just getting um, about how many deaths had been and how many people had been admitted to hospital. Yeah, yeah. And it was the most negative thing. It was impacting my day because I was like, just got this notification. And even if I was having a good day, I'd see this notification that says 800, that X, XYZ amount of people have been admitted to hospital or so, so many people have, have died today and it was such a it was such a negative kind of update to get and obviously i understand kind of uh, that they they have a duty to kind of update these figures but i think um there's there's especially there's been do you do you have you seen leads live as well yeah yeah so they've got an update they've got a whatsapp group that sends you like daily updates um and i've got that subscribed as well and uh and not to slag that leads live off what at all because i really do like them and what the, that that kind of daily update that they send away from kind of lockdown scenario but their updates have been very negative as well and i think sometimes publications like that or kind of uh businesses like that sometimes have kind of a duty to maybe spread a little bit of positivity or try kind of this is what donald trump's saying that you, you... This is the kind of stuff Donald Trump said, <laughs> that the journalists have been too negative. Well, I, I think, to be you're honest with you... are in that awkward situation where you realise you, you're agreeing with Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Do you know what? He he is, honestly, he genuinely is one of the... Uh, sounds... No, I'm just going to say, he is genuinely one of the funniest guys. Like, 
he he's actually like a com borderline comedian because he can like shut people down his comebacks to some of what reporters say some of the stuff he says obviously I, like i'm not agreeing or disagreeing with what he says in in everything but like some of he is like he's I mean, like he's bored like comedian. He's definitely, he's definitely kind of developed a set of skills for kind of controlling situations hasn't he you know yeah. that's 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 kind of what he has i mean <laughs> I, I agree there are times like with the disinfection where you're just like what what have yeah. I just heard? Yeah. Um, but, i mean i think the thing is is like almost like you know if he was like the head of like tesco or whatever you'd be like this guy's a bit mad but yeah. it's like he's literally like overseeing the lives and deaths of people he's overseeing as well like you know when when they kind of when they're criticizing kind of the world health organization and nato yeah. kind of like creating potentially creating real kind of political instability around the world i mean it's just just crazy 100 percent. i think when uh even when he's saying like pulling the funding from them and accusing them of kind of x y and z is yeah I, I don't. I really don't want to go down like rabbit hole of Donald Trump. But... You're Donald Trump fan, aren't you? <laughs> no, mate, I'm not. Or I just think I think I generally think he's hilarious. Like honestly, some of his like he he is like I, I follow quite a lot of like uh, American comedians and stuff like that, and some of the podcasts I listen to are like American comedians and some of his kind of one-liners and some of the stuff he comes out with, if, if he wasn't Donald Trump and he wasn't the, um, he wasn't kind of who he was, he, he would literally be like, he'd be like a Dave, like Dave Chappelle vibe, honestly. Like, <laughs> but anyway, I'll, I'll stop kind of ranting about how much I like no. Donald Trump. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I really kind of, I don't want to kind of keep you for, for too long, Jack. And I, re I, re I really do. I really appreciate you kind of taking time out of your Sunday kind of evening to uh, do this as well. Nice, man. It's been nice chatting and catching up. Yeah, hundred percent. What um, what do you kind of, where do you see Hyde Park Book Club, or where do you see? Oh, actually, what what I was going to ask you as well, which I totally forgot. Um, the state of the arts. What's kind of what's your role in that, or what what do you? Because I, I I didn't. Maybe for my naivety, but I didn't realise you were kind of involved in that, or what you what you were doing with that. Yeah, so it's like a couple of us started it. And, yeah. Um, way back in the kind of early two thousands, we started a little music magazine, and the aim was to bring together different parts of the scene. This magazine called Vibrations. Yeah. yeah. And lots of people at the time were saying, "Oh, there'll never be a scene in Leeds because people will never come together." So we started this little magazine. We put everybody in it, and we championed people, and we gave bands like the Pigeon Detective the first gig, and Bands like the Kaiser Chiefs and Arctic Monkeys, we kind of featured them really early on. And then I kind of got interested in the arts more widely than just music. And then me and the same guy had this idea about 2004 5 that there's not really a single platform for understanding culture in Leeds. So, you know, you can't go in one place. So, so at times, I don't know what's going on in like film or dance or sculpture. And you think, well, look, I work permanently in culture in the city. Yeah. So if I don't know what's going on, how are my friends that do normal jobs going to find out what's going on? Or friends that get a little bit older, like... And then I think this is kind of problematic for two reasons. One is, morally, I just think the city should have um, a way of people communicating what's going on in culture. Mm -hmm. And then, but also kind of economically, it's, it's... You could have more people doing jobs they wanted to do 
if the economy was better in, in culture. So if it was easier for you to be a filmmaker and get people in Leeds to pay to come watch that film, you would have more filmmakers in Leeds. Yeah. So that was the idea of it. And then I moved to York for a year to study. And then I moved to London and the editor was in London. So me and the editor were in London. And Jeremy Corbyn wrote a piece for us and that got shared all over the world. Um, and so we started for a while having people write from all over, really. And nice. then now in, the, in the last year, it's become back-based in the north. So there's an editor in Liverpool, an editor in Manchester. I'm in Leeds. Um, and we get writing from kind of like Newcastle and Sheffield and various other places. But the idea really is just to keep conversation going about interesting cultural happenings in the north. Sorry, for my, na- sorry for my naivety of not kind of realising you were involved in that. I, I, no, generally, right. I generally didn't. To be honest, we, I think we need to bring together, we do like a, a few different uh, projects and I kind of need to bring them together a little bit. That's something that I've been thinking about recently. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, where do you kind of, like you're saying, you, you kind of have people all over. What, where do you kind of, what do you see for that? Or where, what's your kind of purpose with that? Or really? Do, do you think it's just kind of, yeah, state of the art. I think it's just kind of, kind of, yeah spreading that kind of knowledge of well not knowledge but kind of the the culture in different cities or yeah i I mean i think one thing that's important for culture is that uh, you know is that it's kind of recorded and it's discussed and you know if you want interesting culture you look at i don't know say you look at manchester or detroit or you know berlin it's like not only did they happen but they were kind of discussed as well Hmm. What she's, is she's telling you to mow the lawn mate (laughs) the the lawn does he mow i'm getting a skip soon Get, a skip, oh. get rid of some bits and then, <laughs> then we'll get it done i mean to be honest this angle there's a lot of other stuff going on this is this is the fairly organized angle okay um, <laughs> what, yeah, what, so, so the state of the arts so i think some of it is just kind of giving people an opportunity to write about stuff especially when things are kind of you know there isn't amazing kind of culture infrastructure in the north so i think mm. it's just like building little bits in so that you know people are writing about their own stuff for me growing up in leeds there just wasn't much discussion about what culture was going on in leeds and i think that's much better now there's loads of amazing things like leeds inspired and um you know corridor a and um curate space and lots of other great things um but yeah that that that's it really i mean one thing that i guess is is is, um hello um (laughs) one thing that's happening uh more and more is that the pro that that really all of so there's a common thread that only as i'm getting a bit older am i realizing that runs through them all which is a kind of about the role that i have in the different organizations and what the point of them is um Mm -hmm. and so the kind of big project that i'm probably working on really at the moment or one of them is just trying to bring these things together so that they're clearly a single project so you've got the book club you've got Iger. State of the Arts, there's um, something called Nymphs and Thugs. Um, there's a spoken word record label that I work on. Um, okay. I do a lot of kind of project managing of artists. I've just been helping um, a really good artist called Black Pitch, who's based in Berlin, um, kind of, and, and kind of work out the, what the aims of the project are. Okay. Um, and so really, like, rather than, I mean, each individual project is always developing but the thing that my focus is on is probably more what is this single project that unites all of them. So that that's mm. kind of where I'm working at the moment. And in terms of the state of the arts, that's really, you know, Myron Willer are awesome to work with. And and that's really, look, how, how can we 
create interesting content that gets people checking out cultural goings on that they they wouldn't have um, checked out before. Yeah, no, definitely, hundred. Great. I, I think, um, like you said before, I think it, for people even like yourself, so like me, who kind of work in work in these scenes, if if we don't know, kind of if if we're missing out on things, like like you saying, how 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 do we expect people who are not kind of in these circles and in these scenes to to follow them or to keep up to date with them? And I think it's great that there's you guys are kind of trying to put into like trying to bring things together and have that outlet for it, really. And, and um, I guess it's the same. If you think Sorry. about it, if you were like um, if you were like a supermarket, you'd probably spend quite a lot of time thinking about how do you nudge people towards um, the things that you you want them to buy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you think about it, when we when we look at culture, quite often the more co- commercially minded things, you know, your first direct arenas and the kind of view cinemas, um, they they will really hone kind of sales. So. A city like Leeds, you might indirectly make it very easy for people to find out about and to fund culture where the money is leaving the city, maybe even leaving the country. And, and this is not to knock those things. They're part of an ecology. Um, but I think it, I think it's just a little bit sad if you were kind of in cross gates right now and you you could say, look, I've honestly no way of finding out what's going on in you know, one of these art forms mm-hmm. um, because you just make it harder for people to spend their time doing what they want to do. Like for me, at the heart of all these projects is that, you know, we should make it as easy as possible in society for people to spend time doing things they want to do. Like, you know, and part of doing what you want to do is paying the bills and paying, you know, rent and or a mortgage. Um so the easier the structure makes it to do the kind of job that you want to do and get paid for the kind of thing, just the better it is for everyone. Like yeah. for that individual person. But it's also better for the city, right? Because you get to live in a city where lots of people are pretty happy doing what they're doing. Like, so there's, so there's a kind of a general benefit, I think, to, um, to just making a, a culture as kind of likely to produce a job that you're going to want to do as possible. And I think some of that's just about information. I think sometimes people consume because it's easy. If you look at like Netflix or Uber mm-hmm. or Airbnb, you know, they're just like, they, their user experience is, is so optimized. Yeah. And it's like, if they're doing that, why would we as a city or we as the North or we as the UK or whatever, not make it as easy as possible for you to find out about culture um, and support cultural uh, practitioners? Yeah. No, I agree completely. Do you, th- do you think, um, do you think Hyde Park Book Club kind of represents maybe like a, a physical aspect of, do you think they mirror each other? Do you know what I mean? I, do, like, yeah, yeah. For me, they sound like the state of the arts. Obviously, I know it does it on a kind of um, kind of a wider scale, but then I guess you have kind of, you have, I know recently at, at the book club, you've had like touring acts come and perform there or people have booked people from further afield. Do you think they kind of mirror each other? And like yeah, you say... I think they're part of the same kind of like within me and with the other people that we work with, they're part of the same kind of break in that, you know, I I grew up kind of listening to bands and playing in bands. And so all my early work was really bands. Mm -hmm. And then um, there was a point where I guess I got, I I wanted to listen to stuff that wasn't bands and my musical taste widened. And then there was a point where I didn't, um, I didn't want to just listen to music. I wanted to be interested in kind of like theater and film. I was probably like mid late twenties and I went and studied philosophy. Yeah. 
Um, and so that break, I think in whatever, 2014, 15, 14, is represented by the state of the arts. And then a year later, it was represented by the book club. And I think mm. it's this sense as well. I, I was living in London at the time when we did both. And um, but I'd been in kind of like, lived in London, been in Berlin, been in Tokyo, been in Cape Town, been in, in various places. Um, and and I guess you could feel at that point, and I think things have changed now, but you could feel at that point that the world was kind of globalising in a certain way. And there was a certain kind of aesthetic culture that, that you could bring together. So in Brooklyn, I saw a place called the Brainery where like every night there were events that were kind of like slightly intellectual, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then in Tokyo, um, on Shibuya uh, Crossing, there's like a really nice bar, but it's like a bookshop and magazine store as well. Um, and then in Berlin, in near Warschaustrasse, there's um, the Urban Spree and like really kind of like just chilled out bars in a way that England doesn't have. Like, you know, all yeah, the bars yeah. being in kind of London at the time were like quite uptight. I mean, I still find, find this now. I mean, I, I love London as a city. I think it's great. But I think because of the costs of rents, especially around places like Shoreditch, it's just like, it, it doesn't feel like Lausch bars. These feel like really tight businesses. Whereas yeah, like, yeah. You know, and this was, I'm talking probably seven or eight years ago in Berlin. Um, but it just felt like there were these places that were run by people, a bit like Wharf Chambers really, where it was just like, look, there are people just running places and they're clearly not, trying to run tight businesses um yeah. so yeah so i think i think you're right to see that link between the state of the arts and the book club that they they're both about really and i guess just for us following our own interests you know like for me i i, I don't want to run there are other people that run great places like kind of the brudenell or belgrave or duke and they do the thing that they do and that's cool but mm -hmm. and there's bits of each of them that i'm like wow that's that's great and we can kind of learn from them but also, I think what when you do your own thing like this, like the book club, when it really resonates with people is when you're just like, I'm just going to do this thing because I love it. And, um, you know, like even now, like we're, I'm still, we could just take two, three months off and like come back. But it's like, I just naturally think about the book club every morning. Like it's just, it's yeah. a part of what I do. Um, so, yeah, so that kind of thing of having not obvious boundaries like some people probably want to run like a punk club or they want to run a you know a, a techno whatever and it's like that's never it's you know it, it was how i saw things when i was in my middle late 20s and it was like indie kind of clubs i guess mm. but like ever since i kind of made that break and, and i think as well i was part of a scene that that kind of passed so the the 2007 2008 it leads indie scene um as music changed a little bit, like, so as the kind of indie scene kind of changed um, and people got into more beat-driven stuff and, and, and less into guitars, and Leeds had gone so heavy on guitar bands in those yeah. mid-2000s that when things changed, a whole scene just kind of collapsed, really. Um, and Well, you had and, closures of, like, the cockpit as well, which then basically yeah. kind of killed off that, not killed off that scene, but... It definitely made a massive dent within Leeds as well. That, yeah, that's, that, that, that the, people like that, like it kind of everyone who would go there or go there to see gigs or go there to kind of the club nights they had on, then kind of were left with, do you mean left left with nowhere to go for a while? Yeah, and I think some of that kind of stuff is really healthy. Like you know, it's like now if the Hacienda was still running, like it probably wouldn't be a great thing for Manchester, right? Like you need to let new yeah. people come. But that change that happens in because it was such a healthy scene in the mid two thousands mm. in Leeds guitar scene, um, that when that change kind of happened, um, 
was it was quite abrupt really um the place that i was at the mixing tin of trash that kind of closed um and you you know this whole scene that had been developing for kind of the best part of 10 years um started to kind of fall apart really but in amongst that is a chance i guess for people who work like me and other people to kind of renew yourself it's a bit like when you move to a city that you've never lived in mm. before and mm -hmm. you can kind of be who you are now whereas if you're part of a kind of structure or a group of people or in the same place like they're always going to remind you who you were right whereas so yeah, yeah. so there's something renewing and when you look at artists that have interesting careers they have these moments i think where they just really kind of like um really change you know they 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 kind of they they're almost not the same artist they were before yeah definitely do, do you consciously you know when you've got people approaching you for um like the book club to like put on events or kind of put on gigs or um kind of put on talks do, do you consciously think about the maybe the kind of output that is at high park book club when you're booking things or do you kind of just let yeah do you kind of go do you kind of go with kind of not go with whatever comes your way but do, or do you consciously think about what you are putting on I think there's a couple of different ways to see it, really. So one is that, um, you know, like when you, you, you were putting things on and, and yeah, there are people yeah. that come where, like, where I'm like, that's great, really resonate with it, like really want to kind of support it and we'll make sure that that gets kind of extra time. And then there'll be mm -hmm. things that come at the other end where you like, probably would rather this didn't happen, like, and it's fine happening somewhere else. And then there's kind of fair amount of stuff that's in between where you're like, look, I... I, I you know, there'll be like a one person play or something that I'm like, well, it's cool. Like, uh, and, and in that circumstance, one thing that feels important to me is that our role is to provide a structure for other people to do creative things that they want to do and other people to enjoy creativity. And so whether mm -hmm. it's the Iger or the book club, as long as people are not doing stuff that I think is bad. And as long as people are not doing like something that was like, I don't know, homophobic or, you know, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like I had recently just before the election, the Lib Dems wanted to bring the leader of the Lib Dems to the book club. And we got on really well with our Labour MP in the area. And it felt like the election might have been, it could have been close. And that just felt kind of wrong to me. I was like, this just doesn't feel right. And I called up the Lib Party and we had a chat and I thought it's probably not right. Um, and, and there were similar things kind of artistically as well, where sometimes people are doing things where I'm like, I just don't think you've kind of got, I don't think we're clicking here on like, without sounding too kind of like, precious about it like a, a bit of a value thing mm -hmm. but then there's a lot of stuff in, in between aesthetically where i'm like i could kind of take it or leave it aesthetically but i'm like yeah yeah the right behind it the intention behind it is good so it might be somebody making a kind of like i don't know really heavy jazz or something um actually that sounds good but it, it might be some kind of music <laughs> where i'm like uh, i'm like i'm i can take it or leave it but i'm like the cool thing is that we've got a space and a pa and a structure where you can put on this event you want to put on um so yeah it's a weird one really because in some sense i think we're really open aesthetically but then i think value wise we're also quite clear with the the kind of values that we want people to have when they come in like if somebody like mm. i've had people come to us before going you know let's just do a kind of like a pound a shot student night we'll get it rammed and i'm like i just don't think that's what I don't think that's what we do. And I think in order to build the trust of the neighborhood, um, you know, they, they are pretty cool with us. And, and, and the fact that they will put up with at times 
the fact that there's like some like really nice kind of techie thing going on at like 12 on a Wednesday night, I think yeah. it's because they also know that we're not purposefully gathering together people who are getting too fucked really. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that, I think that's, yeah, I think that's key as well. I think understanding your kind of place within the community as well. Do you know what I mean? Uh, obviously you are very conscious of kind of where you are and where, where the book club is positioned. Uh, like you say, I think it's good that you kind of have that, Underst well of course have that understanding but yeah I, w I was just i was just keen to understand whether what what your views were it's on really kind interesting of question it, it, it's a really interesting question and i think because i've done this since i was like 21 22 um it's almost become kind of second nature now like um it's kind of interesting with people like jasper and uh joe before him that way that you want to kind of leave it reasonably open to somebody else's interpretation um, mm. and so really I kind of, I, I'll only kind of say if I'm like, ah, I just don't think this is right for us, you know, generally I'll, I'll be quite open. And I think as well, there's something about that, that like, so I saw a really good documentary about, um, about Motown and someone said, why did this happen in Detroit? And the guy said, well, look, like ev every city has got young people. Every city has got interesting people. It's got energy. Um, but we had this infrastructure in Motown to 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 mani make that manifest and i think okay. that's what i think generally really i just think that you know if you look at the book club four or five years ago it was largely people kind of djing and you know it was all the soul control and bruno groovy kind of scene yeah, and then yeah. it was kind of like this kind of like jazzy kind of stuff um and i think in that sense i'm really fine that we'll, we kind of like play our part as a conduit um without being too prescriptive like i think if me especially being a bit older like if i was just like you know what we're gonna like just gonna have some like massive Britpop nights like <laughs> twice a week it's a bit after a bit you just feel a bit like i don't know if this makes sense anymore <laughs> you know so but then but then the same spirit that i had when i was kind of 17 18 i now see in lots of the other stuff that's going down there like yeah like the tight lines stuff and and all, all all that kind of techie stuff before um, yeah. you know, I kind of, I see the same spirit and it's almost like the spirit is more what's important for me. I'm like, you know, I, it'd be weird if I just wanted to hear people do like blue tone songs in 2020, you know, that, that wouldn't be <laughs> right to me. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, what do, well, where did you kind of, I guess you, you probably, oh, I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. Do you kind of have a, a vision for where you want Hyde Park Book Club to go? like like away from like say lockdown hadn't happened i mean even re regardless of lockdown like you've still yeah obviously I it's mean, just it's kind did, of delayed things but we never really did have a plan really and i think that's been both a kind of blessing and a curse um yeah. so we just i know we i know we always wanted to only do stuff we wanted to do so like we'd and especially because like you know the first three years the book club just lost money like we we were even now like we as people have probably broken even by being part of the book club, like, and it's been five yeah. years. Um, so what was more important to us was we got up on a morning. We're like, this is cool. Like we like this. Um, so yes, we've never really had a massive plan. I mean, I'd quite like it because it all comes out of like a bit of a DIY kind of culture, both mm. I and the book. When you, when you come to like this furloughing, you kind of realize there's now like 25, 26 people who are part of it. And you're like, yeah, you, you probably didn't have the processes and the procedures at the beginning of all that to do that, right? So I employed one person to help me once 
Um, and then it's kind of built out of that. But, um, but yeah, so in terms of like where it goes, I mean, I, I'm kind of happy with what it does really. And, and yeah. I think if we keep working on um, our kind of skills in a way, we work together as a team, new ideas will come along. I mean, that's something I think you realize as you get older, like when you're younger, I think, or oh, when I was younger, you're kind of more precious about individual ideas. You're yeah. like, we've got to do this and we've got to do that. And and you kind of worry that someone else is going to do it if you don't do it quick. And then you kind of realize that, like, really, like, you're going to be doing this for 40, 50 years. And there's going to be times when someone else is doing something cool that you thought about a month before them or whatever, you know. So I think it's more important to just keep maintaining, like, a really good team of people who have good ideas. And the ideas will just come, really. And they, and they do, like, they do come. I mean, if anything, quite often in a team like ours, it's actually whittling down the ideas so that you're not trying too many things at once. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think for, like I was saying earlier, I think for me how far it's kind of developed even from when I put on folds there, from when it was kind of just, I think you'd only you'd only just taken over that the space next to the fancy dress shop. Like the, you were talking about, hopefully when the fancy dress shop kind of moves on, you might be able to, uh, you might be able to get that space. And then obviously that's kind of developed and, developed into what it is now where you've got the food and drink offering and um yeah i think i think for me like i think like you were just saying i think not being too precious about it is probably key as well and i think not being too precious or hung up on about an idea of where you have like want something to go as well do you know what i mean if sometimes you you kind of have the blinders on if you're like no i just want this thing this is where i want this event to go or this is where I want this venue to go. Sometimes you have the blinders on and don't realise where another avenue you could go into then kind of, that could develop you further, further as well. And I think, I think it's good that you guys, you guys do that. Um, but yeah, no, I think um, it, it's been, it's been really good to catch up with you, Jack. Um, yeah, I, I am, I'm conscious I've, ke- I've uh, kept you for an hour and a half on your, on your Sunday evening now as well, mate. No, it's been good. It's been nice chatting. <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I'll definitely have to once this is all over. I'll definitely have to come up and we can have a we can have a proper catch up face to face, mate. Yeah, and, um, we can. If I, yeah, if anyone kind of anyone who's listening or anyone who kind of is listening after the audio, um, make sure you kind of support in Hyde Park Book Club, Iger Studios, State of the Arts, Jack Simpson in general. <laughs> um, yeah, perfect. All right, thank you, Jack. I appreciate appreciate yeah, your time, right. mate. Nice man. And uh, Great chat. Right, I'll speak to you again soon. All right. See you soon. Bye, man.